Welcome to another episode of the Encounter Revival Podcast brought to you by YWAM Reading. We hope you enjoy this message presented by YWAM Reading's very own director, Jaken Pendleton. Hi, um, thanks for coming today to uh, my third session in a five-part session on uh, prayer, um, effective prayer. Uh, so you heard previously that the first section, uh, we're spelling out faith. So it was the first things that you do when you pray, you know, getting things right with your brother, forgiving another person. I shared a lot about that with my own personal stories included. Um, the, sex, the second one was our authority from the king. What does it look like to walk in authority? What, what does it really look like to have faith? Um, how do you have faith actions? When do you declare things? When do you um, just rest in what God has said to do? But today we're going to talk about intimacy. Um, now, obviously, uh, intimacy is the main reason why we pray. Um, it's about having fellowship with God. It's not about just answered prayers, although those are great. It's not about just <clears throat> having, you know, big dreams or things accomplished. It's about just prayer because we want to be intimate with God. Now, because I'm kind of more of a active personality, I think God really uh, has honed in on this area of my life quite a bit. So for me, when I share with you about this area of my life, there's a lot of times where God will just say, just rest, just come away with me. And, you know, maybe for another person, um, that's probably not necessarily what you need to do, because for you, maybe you read the Bible a lot, maybe you worship God a lot, but maybe you have problems more about doing things, you know, maybe, maybe as far as like you need some kind of action to see breakthrough sometimes. But for me, I know that um, I can do so many things and I can do, have so much plans and dreams and I have a backup plan to a backup plan and I'm thinking 10 years in the future. So for me, this time of intimacy I, really has to be guarded for me personally because my prayer times can revolve around things I'm doing and all those things are good. But, uh, but man, just to come back to Jesus because he's worthy alone and just to spend time with him. But I'm going to read with you some things that Jesus says about intimacy before, before he teaches on prayer or how to pray. Um, he talks about what not to do. So let's just read what he says about what not to do in prayer. You can find this in Luke 11, 1 through 2 and Matthew 6, 9 through 10. And it says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray. Now, that's interesting. Let's just stop right there for a second. Hypocrites love to pray. You know, guys, there's whole religions all around the world that love to pray, but for the wrong reasons. You know, the reality is, you know, you, I go to the Muslim world quite a bit, you know, five times a day prayer and they stop in front of everybody. And I've had people, you know, pull their prayer mouths out in front of me. And, you know, it's pretty obvious at time that the motive for why they're praying is, you know, they have some places you go, they'll have a little, you know, black kind of indentation on their forehead to kind of show you that they're, there are people that pray quite a bit. If you look at just the amount of prayer or if people pray or not, you could think, oh, well, they're, they're amazing. Like we don't have anything. We have a lot to learn from them. Not, uh, you know, this is something that, that we're weak in. But the real difference is that we love to pray for certain reasons that are 
godly versus ungodly reasons. Now, everybody wants their needs and answers met, but we don't want to be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When we pray for other people, you got your reward because, you know, your reward is to be seen by others. Um, now, this is interesting because right after this, Jesus actually talks about how to pray. And you see written down in the Gospels about him praying, uh, you know, at, at night in the um, in Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you know, the Bible says that he went away often to pray. He prayed all night at times before he appointed the 12 apostles, that he went away often into the wilderness. So they knew that he was praying and they saw him pray at times. So it's not the idea that you shouldn't be praying in public at all. The idea is why do you pray? Do you pray only for others to be see, seen by others? Um, really, the way I say this is prayer should be like an iceberg. You only see the very top, but there's a huge iceberg underneath. You got to really evaluate. Do you, I mean, is it about your own personal times with Jesus or is it corporately primarily in front of other people? Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into the, your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, he already said this about fasting, right? The reward is he rewards you openly. We love it when people pray secretly. We love, but sometimes we're a little bit more upset when people get rewarded openly. Guys, I'm telling you, there's a real reward that looks like answers, prayers, prayers and I can tell you over and over uh, how God has done that. You know, all of us have those things, but man, if you diligently seek him, you cannot outgive God. That's just the truth. So the first principle I want to say is don't be like the pretenders. Um, that's where I say it. There's two things that we want to look after. Don't be like the pretenders. And then the second one Jesus says is don't be like the pagans. So how do the pagans pray? Okay. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that interesting? When we pray, don't be like the pagans. Don't be like the pretenders. What does it look like as a pagan prays? You know? Uh, you know, this vain repetition over and over, praying, you know, thinking God will hear us the longer that we spend. You know, guys, we can we can spend, you know, a long time, but then have unanswered prayers because we're praying like a pagan. We're thinking God will hear us if we fast and pray this long, if we if we have two hours in the morning. No, you know, honestly, guys, in Afghanistan, especially, it, it really narrowed down the ways that we prayed, but 90% of our times were spent in worship toward Jesus, just thanking him for all the things he had done, saying thank you over and over and over to him. And it got to the point where, you know, it was not a fun place to live at times. We lived in the middle of nowhere with no running water, no electricity. You know, uh, we had about a three foot high wall around our property, most of it. And people could just jump over the wall and come into our, our yard. And uh, man, it was pretty dangerous. So, you know, I remember at times we didn't even have food to eat, you know, because the roads would wash out and you'd have to hike on donkeys to get out to where we lived. It sounds so radical now that I think of it, but it really was a good conducive place to learn how to really pray because you started thanking God for everything. I remember thanking God for my eyebrows and I'm like, I don't know what they do, but thank you that they're there. And I don't know what my, uh, you know, toenails do, but I'm thankful that they're there. And you know, like just thanking God for everything. I would just motivate myself to thank God uh, early in the morning because there wasn't a lot of fun stuff around me. 
And other than, you know, me motivating myself in Jesus, uh, you know, I really didn't feel like sometimes I had a lot outwardly to, to be thankful for him. So I started thanking God for every area of my life, everything, even the little things that I took for granted a lot of times. So 90%, when I talk about prayer, 90% of your prayer time is just this thankfulness to God and maybe 10% you're spending on asking him for things. I mean, this is just the case, just, you know, the week before last, I think it was, you know, I'm out in the, the wilderness and I spent 90% of my time just thanking God, just spending time with him, loving on him and 10% asking him, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Just to that time, guys, honestly, the praise and worship is sometimes for me because I need to get to the place in my own heart where I can hear God. And sometimes it's my heart is so clouded by different things that just that praise and worship time is so important for me to get my center right again. You guys, I have to have many quiet times, uh, many times alone with Jesus where I don't have anything to pray about, but I just have only times to just worship him, where I put my phone down, where I'm not around other people, where I, if it's early in the morning, do it early in the morning. If it's late at night, do it late at night. Whatever is conducive for you uh, to get alone with Jesus and to spend quality time with him, just focused on him. One of the things I do is I write down a thankfulness list. We'll go into that a little bit later. Um, and I do that quite often in my journal, just thanking God for all the things that he's done for me. Oh, and I just underline it. And it just makes me appreciative, but it makes me remember that when I'm fighting battles and things like that, that He's what he's done in the past, he can do now. And now it gets a lot easier. When I fight battles now, I'm like, you know what? I remember when I was going through this battle back here and here's what he did. And now I can remember like that this is what he's going to do in the future. Because I've seen him be so faithful in my life over and over and over. You know, I think about the Psalms where David writes, If surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, the reality, you know, if I live long enough, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And, you know, let's say I die a martyr somewhere. Well, you know what? I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever, forever anyway. So that's a second reason to praise God. Say I'm you know, thrown in jail somewhere. Say something crazy happens to my family. You know what? I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's this internal, internal confidence that, you know, I don't have to have a word from God in the day. You know, I believe that Jesus is the word of God and I just live according to his word. I, live, I meditate on what he says. I let his word become my food. This is the true prayer time as Jesus would have prayed, okay? So he teaches his disciples, they came to him, he says, uh, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Pray like this, Father, may your name be kept holy. Now, let me just say this. That's the first part of prayer, that we're the holiness of God. God, give me a picture of what your holiness looks like. I have prayed sometimes every day for lengths of time like, you know, that I would see heaven, that I would see what his holiness looks like. I have to have a picture of his consuming holiness. That's why I worship before I see a picture. I worship, but I worship it until I just get my mind wrapped around his holiness. Guys, this is the first principle of prayer. That, that is a good place to pray for, from. That's a good place to ask God for your needs. That's a good place to, you know, do the warfare that it takes is pray from a picture of his holiness in your mind. And guys, that's why I spend long prayer times is because I need in the position in my life that I'm in right now. I cannot afford to not have that. 
I remember one time having uh, some great needs. We had just come back from this little place in Afghanistan where we lived and in the mountains. And my wife was extremely sick. She had to be medevaced out of the country. They luckily let us on actually a plane flew in the middle of nowhere onto a dirt kind of road in a dried up riverbed. And then basically picked my wife up uh, and, and they let us on the plane with her luckily. And they medevaced her to Dubai. She had a will, weird illness. Now we had just started the first Bible distribution ever in this area. It was completely unreached. No known believers in the whole area. The first people were come to know Jesus ever in this whole area. And uh, so it was obviously some spiritual warfare happening. Um, there was other things that happened at the same time. The neighbors poisoned our two German shepherd puppies. And um, in the middle of all this, my wife started fasting and praying and just, you know, saying, God, we trust you and we're here regardless. And then she got attacked hardcore with this sickness. So we had to be medevaced out of the country to Dubai. They couldn't find out what was wrong with her. We came back to the States and at the time, we needed to raise a lot of money for moving back to the area that we lived in because we didn't have anything. I mean, we, we literally were living in this little mud hut in the middle of nowhere with maybe about eight other people. And uh, they were all looking to me like, hey, can you raise money for the team, Jacob? And I was like, I felt like I was like Moses. They're like, where's the food? Where's the water, Moses? And I'm like, so I went back to America and I didn't know what else to do, but I was like, I need to raise like $50,000. And I had all this list of needs. We had, to, we wanted to buy a Land Cruisers. We didn't, honestly, we didn't even have, we had bought a car that was a Land Cruiser, but it would break down every two minutes. And so we walked everywhere. So all the people would point to us and they'd be like, there's the poor, poor white people. And uh, so it was pretty humiliating. We're in a village of 3000 people and we're walking everywhere, 45 minutes to get food and stuff like that. And Anyhow, so I came back to America with this heavy burden on my heart to raise money for the team so we could get internet, uh, so we could get, uh, you need satellite internet out there so we could get a couple of land cruisers so we could, we had a guest house and adventure tourism business there. And then I, some other various things that we wanted on the list to fix up our property, build up the wall higher than three feet so people couldn't jump over it. Um, and just things like that. So this is how I came back to the States. And we're in Colorado and uh, I'm preparing to go from church to church to go raise money in all these places. I had a plan and I was going to ask people for $500 or maybe $1,000 per church. And I knew, knew I needed about 30 churches. And I remember when we got back, the Lord spoke to me. He said, put away your plan. Now, me and Sarah were praying together and we both felt that we were supposed to spend three days of just intimate time with Jesus with no agenda. Now, for us at the time, we only had about three weeks there before we kind of prepared our team to come back with us. And so we were there. This was maybe now two months, but this is the last three weeks that we had. So I took the last three days of this time and me and Sarah, just when the kids were in preschool, we would go ahead and we just We'd spend time just worshiping Jesus, just thanking him uh, in the little house that we had, just with no agenda. We didn't have any kind of agenda. We, we put away the, the fundraising kind of efforts. And um, in the middle of the time, the Lord spoke to me about having idols in our life. And I talked to Sarah about it and I, I thought, man, what are you talking about? Idols in our life. 
And we got all these scriptures about idols. And I was like, what, what would this be? And, you know, we, we realized in the middle of the prayer time, God was so gentle. It was so awesome. Like, so such an amazing worship and prayer time. But in the middle of the prayer time, he spoke to us. You have idols in your life. And we realized that we had credit cards. And now these credit cards we weren't using currently at the time, but anytime that we needed something like plane tickets or whether we needed Sarah's medical bills or anything like that, we had the credit cards as a backup plan. We had the credit cards as kind of like a, oh, if God doesn't provide, we'll use the credit cards. And we had been counseled by different good people like, oh, just put put those plane tickets on a credit card. God will provide. And we honestly acted kind of ignorantly. And we had about $20,000 of credit card debt. And now we weren't using the credit cards anymore. We had felt convicted that we weren't supposed to use the credit cards like that anymore. But right now, the Lord was speaking to us to take our credit cards and to cut them up in the middle of this worship time. And now for us, this was like, oh man, this was a big deal. Because this is our whole backup plan right now. Now we're not using it for daily things like gas and food, but we're like, we're cutting up our backup plan. And we really knew that. So we took them before the Lord in the middle of prayer time. And we cut them in half and said, God, we won't have any idols before you. We do away with our credit cards. And after that time, in the middle of the prayer time, my wife had kind of a a vision. uh, And in the vision was God taking a pen to a piece of paper and and basically crossing out our debt one by one. So we had about $20,000 in debt. And then later on down the list of God crossing out things was our $50,000 or so that we're trying to raise for our team in Afghanistan. And you just cross it off one by one, just going down. So this gave us a lot of confidence that God was going to do what we were going to strive to do and and that we were going in the right direction. So at the end of the three days of prayer, there's a blizzard. um, And we, I had one appointment with one pastor set up to go share with in Colorado about like just our needs and I didn't know what they would do at all but um in this blizzard I barely made it to the place because it was almost impossible to get out of this little place we lived in but I I made it I drove into the appointment um and I arrived and I went in the secretary ushered me into the pastor and I said hey um he said what are you here for what are you doing he said I said I I was gonna share with you our needs about what we needed for Afghanistan and he tells me he goes put that all away I don't want to see it now, this is super discouraging for a missionary because for us, this is how we raise money. This is like we go in and we present our needs, share what God's doing. And he said, put all that away. I don't even want to see it. So I said, okay. And uh, I thought he was going to rebuke me or something. And uh, I was a bit intimidated to even talk to this pastor as well, anyhow. But uh, so we put our need, our need list away. And uh, he said, God told me to go ahead and provide for everything that you need. So you just tell me the number. And I was, I was just like over, I didn't even know how to respond. I think my tongue was in my throat, like what just happened? And so I told him it's about $50,000 for our, all of our needs in Afghanistan. And, uh, he said, yeah, you just tell my secretary exactly the amount and we'll write you a check. And I'm just sitting there just overwhelmed. And I just said, I just, it popped in my head. I said, you know what, actually, I got to tell you about what we did wrong. We started using our credit card and we started using it as like something that we trusted in and used it as a backup plan whenever God wouldn't provide. And uh, guys, when I say that, I want to say in context, my, my mom had a credit card and, you know, I 
as a YWAM base, we have a credit card, but we only use it when we have the money to pay it off. My mom only used it to get Kohl's cash. You know, it's not credit cards in general that are irresponsible. It's our, it's the things that replace our trust in Jesus. Those are the things that he goes after because he doesn't want any idols before him. And um, as I shared this with him, he said, you just tell my secretary that too and I'll take care of that. And I walked out of one meeting and this showed me really clearly that man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Guys, God could provide for you in one second. The needs that you have are not are just immaterial to God, but he's after relationship with you more than him giving you what you're asking for. Sometimes we just want the needs to be answered, the needs to be met. You know, we, we want the things really fast. And God's like, well, you know what? I want the process that gives me your heart. I want the process that long term builds intimacy with me, builds relationship with me. So what I learned after that and some other experiences that I experienced like that in the same way was this idea that God cares about intimacy with him, true intimacy and true trust, true fellowship with him more than he does about answering our prayers. Second thing that he tells his disciples to, to, pray, to pray for here in his prayer uh, that he guys kind of gives as a model, he says, may your kingdom, kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what's interesting, it's in... Uh, it's in Luke 11, 1 through 2, that it says, may your kingdom come soon. Uh, but may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the same prayer that you can find in both places. Um, but what I realized uh, later on in my life was that God wanted to give me pictures, like Sarah had the vision in the middle of the credit card kind of story I shared with you about, was what does your kingdom look like what does your will being done look like in the middle of this impossible situation that I'm praying for? Show me a picture. Show me what your kingdom looks like. Show me what your will being done looks like in the middle of this situation. Guys, that's how we fight. We fight with God's will, with God's kingdom. And then we pray that down into reality. Guys, I remember getting back at the end of this time and I, I told the kids and Sarah what happened and in the middle of a blizzard in a house in Colorado, we are on our faces crying and just worshiping Jesus. And my kids needed to see that. Guys, this is not just for you, but it's also for future generations that need to see that intimate intimacy with Jesus looks like, you know, confessing your sins, getting right with Jesus. And then, you know, that he is your source for every single thing that you would need in your life. May you, so what the second thing that you do is ask God, what does it look like? Okay, let's say you're praying for uh, an unrepentant you know, family member. Don't just pray out like all the bad things. Pray about what does God's kingdom look like coming into that situation. Don't pray negative prayers like, oh God, they're just such a pagan. They're such a horrible person. No, what does it look like for them to think about their name? You know, God gave each of us a name. My, my name, it's Jacob Emmanuel. God does establish God with us. What, what is their prophetic name that God has given them? Maybe, maybe their name kind of is not, not so good, but what's the name that God has given them? No, that's who they are. And we start declaring, this is what God's kingdom looks like in their situation. This is what God's will looks like being done. God, give me a picture of complete restoration. What does complete restoration look like for this person? What does your will being done? Is there a person that's supposed to go to them? Are there, is there a church that they're supposed to go to? You know, guys, you have the ability to influence earth as it is in heaven if you start praying out what God says instead of what your own thoughts are. You know what pagan prayer would be? 
It would be looking at the natural circumstances and seeing, oh, well, God, just help that person. Help that person that's so screwed up and everything like that. No, we're supposed to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Those are the two questions I'd like you to ask yourself. In Luke 5.10, it says that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Um, this scripture, I'm going to read one more to you that was really impactful for me. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. What can you pray about? Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I remember for me, I came back from Afghanistan. It's a whole other story in uh, more of a hardcore way. This is after five years of living there, you know, we were asked to leave graciously by the Taliban and we accepted their offer because they were going to burn our house down. Whole other story that I can share in another setting. But when I came back from that time, I would shake and I didn't know why. And uh, I thought that honestly, I was maybe uh, just something was happening that I, I couldn't control. I had anxiety. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would wake up with my, my chest all real tight. And now I didn't, I know that you guys might understand, but I didn't know that this was panic attacks. I didn't even, I had never experienced anything like this before. And so I remember in the middle of that season, the only thing I could do was to get up earlier than I normally get up. And I, it wasn't like a nice quiet time. It was like a desperation quiet time. I would pray and ask God, I would quote this scripture. I remember one time at nighttime, walking around over and over at nighttime, just declaring, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And I would declare that scripture over and over. Jesus, this is what you've done. This is what you've done. And guys, I'm telling you what, I would see breakthroughs happen over and over. Like the things God would speak to me in my quiet time in the daytime. It was publicly, it, I was in the middle of a leadership training school in Wyoming, and they would speak from the front that same day. God just wanted to extra let me know that he was close by me. Guys, sometimes when we struggle with anxiety, the reality is we're a really good meditator. Sometimes we're a really good meditator, and this is what God spoke to me during the time. He said, you're a really good meditator on the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And uh, I remember as I started changing my thoughts and saying, God, I'm going to meditate on your words, not on what my circumstances are, not on what the enemy says, not on what the lack is. I'm going to start thinking on your kingdom, thinking on the things that you're saying. You know what, guys? My, it's not like my circumstances changed overnight. I still lost everything in one day in Afghanistan. I still was emotionally distraught sometimes. But you know what? Peace started coming back into my heart gradually. And it was a fight and a battle. But I'm telling you guys, I don't struggle with anxiety like I used to. Especially in that time. I remember God sitting me down with some awesome women of God there at that Wyoming location that I was at. And they started saying, guys, you're going through panic attacks. You're going." I thought I was going crazy. They said, you're going through uh, post-traumatic stress. And they started sharing with me about their journey through that. And God did so much things to free me from all that in the middle of my life because I started setting my mind on God's kingdom. I started declaring God's word out when I didn't feel like that at all, when I would rather sleep, when I would, I mean, I was sick. We got some kind of swine flu thing in Mexico where we were at at the Wyoming base. It was like, I could do all I could do. I would shake, literally shake. 
All I could do was go in and grab a hold of Jesus's word. And it was through this time that this, these scriptures came alive to me. One thing that we um, started doing after this was praying over all the details of our life. I'd love to share with you about that uh, just a little bit later, but we're going to close with this session right now. Is what I'd like you to do as a practice thing is I want you to ask God, maybe there's a problem that you've encountered. Uh, maybe there's something that comes up over and over and over. I'd like you to pray with another person. If there's something that comes up over and over, you should get grab another person and say, pray with me. Ask God, what is the solution? What is the answer? So I want you to ask two questions. What does his kingdom coming look like to that problem? What does his will being done coming, come, coming look like to that problem? And just write that down because that's the weapon of your warfare. Maybe he'll give you a scripture. Maybe he'll give you something else. But I'd really love you to go ahead and do that to apply this part. We're going to have this as a two-part session right now. But I hope you enjoyed today. You can sign up to one of our schools at whyimreading.org. Or you can go to the link if you'd like to donate to our ministry at whyimreading.org backslash donate. Thanks for spending time with us today. From YWAM Reading to you, we want to say thank you for joining us today. We pray that you feel blessed and encouraged by the time that we've spent together. YWAM Reading is a nonprofit Christian mission organization, and everything that we do from our online podcast to our overseas trips is funded by people just like you who believe in our mission and our ministry. If you've been blessed by our time together today, please consider giving to our ministry through a special gift or a monthly donation. Visit us at ywamreading.org forward slash donate. And finally, if you want to be involved with us personally, we invite you to come check out some of our upcoming schools. We run several schools year round and have opportunities for you to join us anywhere from six weeks to three months to even full time missions. And we would love to see you at one of our upcoming schools. So check out ywimreading.org forward slash training to see more of these opportunities. May God bless you as you go forth and bring revival to the world.